praise the Lamb of God. Give the Lord praise today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I want you to take your Bibles with me and go to Judges, Judges this morning. And I want to say thank you for your prayers this week. We understand as we traveled and uh, Pastor Angel and Dazelle, Andrew and I went to, went to uh, Veracruz, Mexico to do a marathon preaching of, uh, uh, for a marriage retreat for Amigos de Fe. We understand that this is a team effort. Because while we're down there ministering, you are interceding for us and asking God for help. And I want you to know, I could see the Lord in every step of the way. Every minute detail of our trip was ordered from the Lord. And so I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We got down there, we saw several baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've seen some deliverance. <laughs> We've seen marriages as, as, as individuals came together. And just on the topic of marriage, let me tell you, I attended the marriage class today, and I would encourage you, husband and wife, you need the teaching that was coming forth. That was excellent, Kim and Mick. I tell you, you guys did a great job. And it's not just about, oh, I've got a troubled marriage, I need to go to the class. No, 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 no. It is building strong relationships. That's what it's about. It's about building strong relationships. So this class is going to continue for several weeks. Let me encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, you will be blessed. Uh, these folks did a fantastic job. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Judges 13. Judges 13. We've been talking about the birthplace of promise. The birthplace of promise. Father, we come before you, Lord, once again and ask God for your merciful kindness and great grace. We thank you for the presence that we have felt here today. We thank you, Lord God, for moving, Lord, in us and through us and, Lord, amongst us. Lord, I just pray today, Father, that you would open our eyes of our understanding, Lord, that we may see clearly, Lord, the will and the word and what you have in store for us. Father, we thank you, Lord, today that, Lord, the birthplace of promise brings forth the promised Son of Jesus Christ in our hearts and Lord we glorify your name now as we look here we're going to be looking again at uh, we're just going to touch this passage here for just a moment and I just want to bring reference to it so so you can you can have that in your study but I want you to notice there in 13 we're talking about we've been talking about the birthplace of promise being the barren womb the barren womb we're going to be looking at as we have looked in the last several weeks how that the barren womb is a result of systems not working. Systems that do not work. Sarah had a barren womb. Her systems did not work. We see that last week we, we talked about Elizabeth. Her systems did not work. We saw that the previous week that Hannah, her systems did not work. So there was a, there was a intercession on their part, if you will. Maybe that's not the right word. Maybe just a, a, an asking of the Lord to do what he could do, but they could not do. Asking the Lord to, to, to bestow upon them something that was physically impossible for them to do. And with every barren womb came forth a promised child. Ultimately, that barren womb was pointing toward the womb of impossibility, of a system that was transcended, intersected 
by God himself when he stepped into the womb of Mary, who had never known a man, the mother of Jesus, the Father God placed the seed, the promised child, in that system called her womb. So as we look at this, we've been, we've been seeing that every, every one of these sons of promise points to the ultimate promise of Jesus Christ. Sarah, obviously the promised son. Hannah, the prophet's son. Elizabeth, the priest's son. Now today we're going to talk about Manoah's wife. Samson was the son of promise, and he was called forth to be a deliverer. So I want you to look here in Judges there. Again, another Nazarite vow that was, was to be bestowed at birth. We see that Hannah brought forth Samuel. He was a Nazarite. We see that uh, John the Baptist was a Nazarite. But now we see again another Nazarite that from birth, because of the responsibility placed upon the parents for this child. But we, we're going to do a comparison today. A comparison, and we're going to look at not just a comparison, but we're going to look at a contrast between Samson and Jesus. So with that, I want you to look here in Judges. We're going to go to the end of the story and work our way back. I want you to look in Judges 16. This is the end of Samson's life. And Anybody read, ever read anything about Samson? Anybody watch the movie? I know some of you won't read a book because it'll destroy a good movie. But you've heard the story of Samson and Delilah, and you, you, you've seen that, his hair and, and such. But, but here, let's look at uh, Judges 16 as we look at the end of the story. He's violated every vow that was bestowed upon him as a Nazarite. And now he is here in the, the last moments of his life. Judges 16, unless he's been captured, his head's been shaven, he is in change. Let's look here in verse 21 of, of Judges 16, and we're going to read down to verse 30. A Philistine seized him. This is horrible. Gorged out his eyes. They took him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze chains. He grind grain in prison. So he no longer has the ability for physical sight. He is bound in bronze, which means judgment. And now he's grinding the grain in the prison. He is processing the food for the enemy. This man who was meant to be a deliverer is now bound. This man who was to bring the vision of God cannot see. He's grinding the He's, he's, he's doing what a, a woman or a maiden in the home would do, and he's, he's grinding the, the, the wheat in order to process the food so that those of the enemy might receive that provision in order that they may be fed and nourished. He's, he's not doing what he was meant to do. Yet after it had been shaven, speaking of his head, the hair on his head began to grow back. <laughs> This is comical in the fact that the, the enemy is so arrogant. He, he, just because he's, he's overtaken him, being evil doesn't make him wise. Salt and salt and salt for his, 
to, to discover what the source of his strength was, and it was the Nazarite vow that was that was represented by his represented by his hair. Now, so they went in and shaved him, and he became as any other man. He lost his strength when he lost his covering. See, to have authority, you got to be under authority. See, he kept playing with the he kept playing with the devil, playing with the devil. It's not like Delilah was on his side. Where's your strength? Well, if you take my hair and weave it in a womb and in, 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 a, in a loom, and then, uh, well, if you tie me with, un, with ropes that have never been bought and or never been used and on and on and on, it's like every time you end up with the same result. The enemy had overtaken him. So what we see here is his hair began to grow, and he thought, well, why is that foolish of the enemy? Because wouldn't you have a barber in there every day shaving his head? Making sure this doesn't happen again? No, 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 no. See, some of you, the enemy thinks he has you where, you, where he wants you because you have maybe somehow failed along the way. But what you don't understand is God is so willing and so graceful and so merciful and so mighty. He wants to put his covering over you. He wants to shield you with his authority. He wants you to walk in his goodness. I better get to preaching before I start preaching. Okay. Verse 23, the Philistine rulers gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate. They said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Well, there's the first mistake. Because they didn't, he gave himself up when he refused to walk with God. The people saw him and praised their God, for they said, Our God has given into our hands our enemy, the one who ruined our land and killed many of us. With their hearts were merry. They said, Call for Samson. So he came to entertain us. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to try to stay on track. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them. They placed him between two pillars. Samson said to the young man who held his hand, Let me rest and touch the pillars on which the temple is set, that I can lean against them. The temple was full of men and women, and all the Philistine rulers were there. There were about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching Samson entertain. Samson called out to the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Please strengthen me just this once, God, so that I may get full revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the temple was set. He leaned against them, one with his right hand and the other with his left. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. So he pushed with all of his strength. And the temple fell upon the rulers and all the people who were in it. At his death, he killed more than he had killed in his life. We look at the contrast between and the comparison between Samson and Jesus. Now, the exploits of Samson. See, he was born in a barren womb. There was a nation in need of deliverance. 
And so it was uh, two individuals who were there of the covenant people of the tribe of Dan. And doesn't say that they prayed, but the Lord saw, and he bestowed upon them a child in the system that wasn't working. He put a promised child and said, don't let any, a razor, touch his head. He's not to touch anything that is dead, and nothing of strong drink shall cross his lips. In fact, for a Nazarite, they couldn't even eat of the vine, anything that would even have the possibility of fermentation. I don't want you drunk on the things of the world. I don't want you touching the dead things, and I want to show the world that my covering is on you, so don't cut your hair. So as we look at that, what we see is Samson broke all of those things, and we see the exploits of Samson. So he goes down and he marries a Philistine wife. Now, he, he, he gives a riddle from his first vow breaking, and that was when he killed a lion with his bare hands. That was okay to kill a lion. But when the bees came along and put their honeycomb in there and, and the corpse of that, he came along and he, he gathered it up. <laughs> and he started eating the honey, the sweet from the dead. Let me tell you, sometimes things that are dead can become sweet. But they'll end up in death either way. But he didn't bother to tell mom and daddy where he got it. He went and shared it with them, but he didn't tell them where he got it. So he, he, he married this Philistine woman because the Lord was, was going to use this in order to destroy the Philistines and, and bring a deliverance, a great deliverance for the children of Israel. So in the marriage that they had and the feast that they had, which was a drunken feast, there's number two, he, the drunken feast that he created, he gave this riddle. And the riddle, basically, the interpretation was is that sweeter than honey and uh, stronger than a lion. Well, they provoked his wife and or kept telling her, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill everything, or kill your family, burn your house if you don't tell us. So he told them, she told them, and figured out his riddle. But the promise was 30 garments for the one that solves the riddle. So Samson obviously didn't have the garments, so he goes out and he kills 30 of the Philistines and says, here, here, because he's mad. Next thing you see is that he comes back after he leaves his wife and he's mad. He goes back home. He comes back and now his wife has been given away. Now he's really mad. So he goes out and he captures 300 foxes. Sly, cunning foxes. Ties their tails together. Put torches and lets them loose in the fields of the enemy. Bringing forth fire and destruction to all their fields. Now, the Philistines didn't sit well with that, so they said, all right, you're going to do that. We're going to kill you. So they came out against him, and he took a, a jawbone of a donkey. The Bible says a fresh one. I don't know what a fresh jawbone looks like. I don't know if he took it off a live donkey or not. <laughs> what does it mean to be fresh? I don't know. That donkey fall over dead, and it was just dead that day, and he pulled that. Or, or did he just say, hey, donkey, uh, I don't want to listen to you grab his ear, jerk his jaw out. I don't know how that happened. Maybe some of you can explain that to me. But with the jawbone of a donkey, he killed a thousand Philistines. The Bible says that he had other campaigns and he destroyed the enemy. The problem was he broke every vow. Now, if you, if you look at the comparison of Samson 
And Jesus, Jesus, the true deliverer, when he walked on the face of the earth, what did he do? Yeah, he went into the enemy's camp and took back what belonged to the covenant people of God. He went in to destroy sickness by bringing healing. He went in to destroy death and some of them by raising them from the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He walked on water to file the very, very rules of nature. He was there as our deliverer preaching the good news of the gospel. He was there interceding on behalf of others. You see, Jesus is the true deliverer, and Samson was to be a, a, a symbol, a type of the deliverer. Now, Samson broke every vow. Jesus broke not one vow. He fulfilled the, the fullness of the Word of God. He jotted, he, he crossed every T and dotted every I. He did not violate any of God's commands. He was the perfect man, walking not as an example for us, but the example of us. He was bringing us out of the deliverance. He was sozoing us out of a life of darkness, delivering us to a place of safety. See, the Lord, if he just brought us out of the, of the prison house, if he brought us out of the bondage and didn't put us in a safe place, then, brother and sister, let me tell you, we'd end up back in that place of bondage. He can awaken us as he did Peter in the midnight hour, but Peter had to get up and walk out. Peter had to get up and leave the prison. If you stay in that prison long enough, they're going to put the bars back, close the bars back, and they're going to put the chains back on you. There's got to be an exodus, a road out. There's got to be a way that you get from where you're at to where you need to be. And the only way is to follow the Lamb of God as he's made the sacrifice. You grab hold of his hand and you keep hold of that hand and you keep letting him march you out. I'm making my exodus. We're getting the road out. We're making our way out of this thing. So, here we have it. Samson's motivation was for himself. Even in his death, he cried out to God and he said, God, give me revenge for my blindness. Give me revenge for my blindness and kill those that are here. What a stark contrast with Jesus, the true deliverer. Samson's motivation was self. Jesus' motivation was serve. Then Jesus said to the Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Samson prayed for vengeance. Jesus prayed for forgiveness. He wanted to, them to die for blinding him, and Jesus died in order to give us sight. Samson said, I'm blind, and now because of the vengeance. See, that's what happens in the first Adam. 
In the first Adam, there's a, there's a cry for the vengeance, for the, for, the, for the revenge of the life that has been lost. It's Abel's blood crying out from the earth, crying forth for vengeance. But oh, the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't cry for vengeance. He looks around in, his, in, in the state of the sacrifice with his flesh torn from his body, with nails driven through his hands and his feet, with raising himself up to gasp, grasp every breath that he took. In those moments of suffering as a sacrifice, he wanted us to see, to give us vision. As an intercessor in the earth today to reconcile lost humanity back. And he said, I want to take a system that doesn't work, and I want to put inside of them a system that does work. I want to put in that barren state birthplace of the promise of deliverance see with every aspect of the barren womb comes forth a promise that promise points uh, to the ultimate promise uh, and it's not just Jesus that comes forth as the promise uh, but all the attributes uh, of the of the prophet uh, of the priest uh, and now the deliverer that's the ministry of the church of the church what am I here for? I'm here because uh, there has been the one in my barren state where my systems of religiosity no longer work. I can't be good enough. I can't make it on my own. I cannot find the righteousness in myself. But oh, there comes a God. And he says, oh, if you'll just get to the end of yourself and say, God, I need you. I don't want to live like I'm living anymore. I need a change in my heart. I need a change in my atmosphere. I need a change in my mindset. I need you, God. I give up. I surrender all. And the Lord says, oh, let me give to you what you can never give to yourself. I'm going to become what you are not so you can become what you are not. My righteousness in you, my righteousness imputed to you, my righteousness imparted to you. Now you will walk as a son of God. Now you will conquer the enemy, not in yourself, but in the one who is born in you. At his death, he killed more than he had killed in his life. I started running the numbers on Samson. I know for sure there was a thousand. I know for sure there was a, there was a thousand thirty recorded. There's other, there's another battle that he had. We don't have the number on that. Now, I think we can look here at God's Word and see that the mention of the number there in the temple was an indication of the number that Samson killed that day. 3,000 is mentioned in the Scriptures. So I don't think it's too far of a stretch to believe that everybody's sitting on the roof and the fact that God took the opportunity to put those down in the word that anyone survived, including Samson that day. So I'm just going to go on a stretch here and just believe that 3,000 people, 3,001 persons died that day. But is that, that's not too much of a stretch of the, of the word of God. 
We do know it exceeds a thousand because the Bible said he killed more in his death than he did in his living. But of those that he killed that day of the 3,000, see, he was in their temple of worship. And they were making mockery of him. They were there in that seat of their worship and their temple of Dagon. Half fish, half man God. It's funny how that Jonah was puked up by a well, had the intention of the entire city of 120,000. I'm telling you what, somebody get thrown up by, by a well, you're going to have my attention, amen? <laughs> it was just a little more than just, well, how can I get um, Jonah over to Nineveh? I know what, he's in a boat trying to get away, throw him over. All right, we'll throw him over. What are we going to do? Well, he's fish food appetizer. Well swallows him. Now, where does he happen to take him? Right back to the place he tried to get away from. Just, I'm going to get away from Nineveh, go as far as I can, but I'm going to put you on a fast track back over there. You're going to go with the priority lineup. You're going to get, swallow him up and swim. It's going to take you three days, but you're going to get there. Puke him out on the shore. I don't know how big a whale's brain is, but he was operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now everybody's got the attention. That's a story for another day. But anyway, Dagon was there. Fish God. Now, we see, it's in this temple of worship, this pagan temple, made up from the bowels of hell. You've got Samson here, in the midst with his blindness, with the covering of God coming back over him. Young man, if you can, just put, put this hand... Let, let me feel the let me feel the structure. Let me let me just let me feel the the pillar with my left hand and go ahead and put my, my right hand on that pillar as well. Just just let me just let me brace myself. I just want to lean against this. So I, I know they're making fun of me, but but I just need to I just need to touch that temple on that that, that pillar on that side and that pillar on this side. I, I, I know they're laughing at me and I'm here for the entertainment and I can't see them though I can hear the voices. I, I, I can't see them, but I, I know they're here and they're laughing. I don't know where they're at exactly. I just know they're elevated. It looks like they, they have the upper upper position on me but I just need to put my hand here because I got a little prayer to pray I just got a little prayer to pray I need to pray my God my God I want you Lord right now Lord just to give me strength to tear down this worship center of the enemy just give me the strength right now as I push against these very pillars let it fall and let those that are mocking those that are laughing Lord God let them die with me Three thousand, but who was in the audience? Who were the mockers and the scoffers? The Bible says clearly, men and women. Men and women. Reproduction happens with men and women. Male and female, God created. But the, the reproduction is going to be stopped at least on some level, some generation, some area. But the Bible says that the rulers were there. All of the, the hierarchy, all of the governmental structure 
of that Philistine nation. Whoa, where you going today? I got tickets. I'm going to the show. What's the show? It's the deliverer of Israel. Our God, Dagon, has delivered us, and I've got front row seats. I've got a balcony. I've got a, I've got a section set aside for me and all of my, all of my friends. We're going to gather up there. Oh, let me tell you, only the elite could be there that day. We've got to get the government. We've got to get those that are in authority. We've got to get the, the, the rulers, the, the state representatives. We've got to get all of those gathered up, gathered up. The governance was gathered that day. The governance did not make it out of that death of that deliverer. Somebody see where I'm going with this? We're doing a contrast and a comparison. A contrast and a comparison. Now, as we see that Samson and all of his exploits in his life... How that he killed more than his death than he did in his living. We see that Jesus uh, in his life defeated the enemy on every turn. In fact, John closes uh, the gospel in chapter 21 in verse 25. Uh, and there are also many of the things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that, not in, not that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written in it, and he closes it with an amen. Now see, we know at least three times in Samson's death was the destruction of the enemy. But in Jesus, as a comparison, what do we see? That in the death of Jesus Christ, he defeated more in his death and continues to defeat in his death than he ever did in his life. Mm. He couldn't go anywhere. The crowds wouldn't follow, and he just did this in three years of his life. We have the, the silent years where we don't know for sure when it went on in those times, but in the three years that his public ministry, everywhere he went, people were healed, people were delivered, people were set free. He could, you couldn't take him to a funeral because he'd mess up everything by raising the dead. He didn't need a boat. He could just walk on the water. you got lepers that are coming out that nobody wants to get close to. Oh, le leper? Six feet, six feet, six feet. <laughs> Don't you know history repeats itself? You look it up and you'll discover that the lepers could not get within six feet and their face had to be covered. Jesus said, that all, that's all right. Come on. Come on, guys. Come on. I'm just going to touch you. I'm going to touch you. Just heal everybody everywhere he went. John said, truth be known, if I, could, if I were to sit down and just write down every little thing that Jesus did for every little individual. See, because when he heals, he heals completely. When he makes whole, he makes completely whole. When he delivers, he completely delivers. When he brings to life, he brings completely to life. And it wasn't just me. It was generations and generations and generations. Oh, my God, he touched me. And Lord God, my body is healed, but not just my body, my soul, my my mind, my will, my desires have been transformed by the touch of the living God. We'd have a great story if that was all the story. That was just a portion. Whew. Because in his death, 
he killed more than he did in his life. In his death, he killed more anger. In his death, he killed more hatred. In his death, he killed more sin. In his death, he killed more destruction. In his death, he killed more depression. In his death, he killed more oppression. In his death, he did more than he did in his life. Think about his life. But in his death, oh, oh hanging between heaven and earth on the very creation that he created. Oh, just put my hand against this pillar and put my hand against that pillar. And Lord God, I pray in my death, it will not be because of where I'm at, because I've never been blind. I knew my vision from the very beginning. Lord God, what I'm asking for today is that you will open their eyes that they may understand that when I die, I'm going to destroy the world system of religiosity in order to bring forth a new governance called my church. And they're going to go out and destroy the enemy. That it is death. It is death. He did more than in his life. I'm taking the governance out of them. I'm destroying the governance that says that they will never be accepted. I'm destroying the governance that says they will never be worthy. I'm destroying the governance that says you've got to work harder, work harder, work harder. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to put a righteousness in them. And with that righteousness, it's going to bring forth peace. And with that peace, it's going to bring forth joy. Because the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and joy. You can't have joy without peace, and you can't have peace without righteousness. Righteousness is not something I do or don't do. Righteousness is what he's already done. Righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness is being God-approved. God accepted divinely, divinely, receiving of his nature and now crying unto my father daddy daddy you are my god and i am your son and lord i don't want to live by myself i don't want to live without you lord i'm gonna live in you through you by you my god you're going to destroy the governance of the enemy all the plagues he's poured out upon me lord god with just drops of your blood of the lamb i am free free now I don't have this other governance that says I have some sort of split personality that I'm good and bad all at the same time. It says, gives us the idea that Jesus walked on the face of the earth like he was some dual person who had this nature that he's just keep trying to push down. Jesus walked on the earth and he never had an alienated mind. He always had an aligned mind. He, he didn't walk on the face of the earth in rejection or insecurity. He didn't walk in rejection. He didn't walk into a state of fear 
and anxiety. He was always in fellowship and partnership with the Father. He was always one with the Father and with the Spirit. And he said, this is a beautiful thing. You're going to be one with me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take your old nature out and I'm going to put a new nature in you. I'm going to take the old uh, first Adam that you were born with, uh, and I'm going to give you the last Adam nature. <laughs> because the last Adam nature, there is no other, there is no need for another. You don't have to keep working for your salvation. You just need to start walking in it. You don't need to work for your righteousness. You just need to start walking in it. Awake to righteousness and sin no more. Once you awaken to righteousness, you don't want to sin anymore. Why would I sin anymore? When I've got the one living on the inside of me, why would I want to keep going after the governance of the enemy, walking in blindness? Oh, no. When Jesus Christ pushed out all of the temples of the enemy, he destroyed the reproductive ability of the enemy inside the people of God. If Jesus only paid the penalty of sin, we would still fall back into sin. If Jesus only judged the enemy, we would still fall back under. The control of the enemy. He gave us victory over sin. He gave us victory over Satan. And the beautiful thing is he gave us victory over self. Now, he put his acceptance in us. Our worth is in him. Our joy is in him. The challenge is... It's whenever I don't realize because of my habits and my history. I go back to being me. What I need to be is we. We too. You too shall be one. He did mourn his death. He did in his life. I want to read this to you. And we're going to close. In just a moment, we're going to have communion. Colossians 2, 12 through 15. You're not going to have this, Derek. I don't believe this translation. Let me just read it to you. Listen to it today, church. For we have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. He canceled our, out every legal violation we had on our record. 
And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers, principalities of darkness, stripping away, stripping away from them every weapon and all the spiritual authority and the power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus laid them around us as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoners. They were his. You were wondering? I was reading out of the Passion Translation. That's Colossians 2, 12 through 15. That gives some pretty bold declaration and clarity to what Jesus Christ accomplished. And he destroyed the governance, the reproductivity, and the temple of worship that they were in. My God. My God. He did more in his death. Resurrected power. Raised up. He said, I got to go. I got to go. I got to sit down. And I gotta, I'm going to sit down and rest because the work's finished. It's to tell us that it's complete. It's all done. I don't need to do any more. I'm going to send up in heaven. And when I do, I'm going to send back the one who's going to empower you with the knowledge and understanding of who you are and who you're meant to be. He's going to, he's going to reach down and he's going to touch you and he's going to fill you to overflowing and you're going to understand that you're not a prisoner of darkness anymore. You are a child of light. You're not living in the dead anymore. You're a child of life. You're not living in the hatred and alienation of your mind anymore. You're now aligned with the love and the mercy and the goodness and the grace that I have bestowed upon you. You're not going to grind at the meal of the enemy anymore. You're not going to feed his rulers. You're not going to feed his offspring. No, you're going to back, go back to burning up his fields. You're going to go back to destroying all that is, is, is contrary to my word. You're going to walk in my likeness because you are going to be like me. And we're going to take communion in just a moment. But I feel an overwhelming sense that there's somebody in this house that you walked in here bound in your sin, bound in your past, bound in the hurt and the shame and the pain. You have walked into this place and you need to be set free. You can't do it anymore. You can't be good enough. Hear me. Morality is not righteousness. Morality will never produce righteousness. But righteousness will always produce morality. You're here today and you're tired of the work system, trying to outlive your shame, trying to outlive your pain, trying to you say, God, I can't do it anymore. I need to be free. As you're standing across this room, our worship team is making their way up. 
Now, I'm going to say this. You're not a sinner saved by grace when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You become a saint of God because you're a child of His. We got to get out of our mind that we, we continue in sin and we got to sin every day. Oh, no, no, no. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are His and He is ours. And we walk by the power and authority. But if you're in this house today, you're in this place, you're saying, man, you're speaking right to me. There's something going on inside of me. I need change. I need to be changed. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to yield myself to God. There's intercessors interceding right now. Come on, come on. We're going to take communion in just a moment. A bit, but right now, you're in this place. You say, I, I need to be free. I need God to deliver me. I can't deliver myself. I need God to deliver me. I feel the arm of the Father reaching through right now. Say, come, child. Come, my child. Come, my child. I love you, and I want you to be in relationship with me. I'm not going to look for a close of eyes or a raise of hand. I'm just going to give you an invitation right now. I say, this message is for me. Come on. Come on. Come on. This altar is open. This altar is open. This altar is open. Come on down. Come on down. We're going to pray with you. We're going to believe with you. You're going to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and you're going to see that your sins are forgiven, that he has paid the price. Father, we come before you right now, Lord. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm asking you, Lord, today, do not let them leave this house. Lord, if you're dealing with their heart, God, Lord, I pray right now, draw them, draw them to yourself. Draw them to yourself, Lord God. Oh, Lord, it is a life decision that they're making today. Lord, let them look beyond themselves and look to you knowing that they can't do it. All you're looking for is them to surrender to what has already been done and to accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you right now, Lord God, reach out, reach through. If you're in this place right now, just begin to, But if this is for you and you say, I'm, just, I'm not coming down there, I want you right there where you're at. Just begin to yield yourself, surrender to God, surrender to the Lord. Just surrender to God. Oh, Father, you did all of this, Lord, the saddest day in all of eternity. For me, when we are standing around your throne, and Lord, we see the sacrifice that you made, and then the humanity that refused. Oh, God, refused. Oh, my God. I pray, God, that today, whoever's in this crowd that needs to receive, will not be one of those who have refused and standing on the wrong side of the cross. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, release within the heart of your children. Lord, an overwhelming understanding of who they are in you the message of the, the good, the fantastic, the overwhelming news that is coming from heaven above. Let us understand. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know you're in here. And I know God's dealing with your heart. You may not... may not really feel the strength to come down here. But my prayer for you is this. That the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit will just rain on you His love, His conviction, and total dissatisfaction with the life you're living. Because God has a greater life in store, not only here, but the one to come. I don't drink anymore because I don't have a desire to drink. I don't want to smoke another pot. In fact, another joint, as long as I live, the very smell makes me nauseous. The thought of slamming whiskey is just like irksome to me. I don't want that stuff anymore. It was my fountain of, of destruction, but I don't have a desire for that. Why? I had a guy in the airport. He was talking about drinking, asked me if I've been drinking. He said, if you're not drinking every day, you're doing something wrong. He said, I think everybody needs to just stay lit all the time. This is one of the TCA guys or whatever they call them, TSA. I said, hey, I said, I had had a drink in over 30 years. He looked at me. I said, I found something more refreshing than that. (laughs) It's funny how our conversation changed after that. But anyway, today is Memorial Day. Memorial Day is a day that originated after the Civil War. There was a battle that took place for the freedom of men and women, generations. It was a battle of extreme bloodshed. In fact, Civil War, there were more American lives lost in the Civil War than any other war. You take all the other world's world wars and add them up, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, Revolutionary War, War of 1812, Mexican War, Iraq, Afghanistan, Spanish-American War, the Gulf War. All of those total just over the amount of lives that were lost in the Civil War. The Civil War, 620,000 soldiers lost their life. The total of all the other wars, 680,000. So Americans, after the Civil War, created Veterans Day. We passed it in Arkansas. They call it Decoration Day, Memorial Day. What did I say? Memorial Day, my apologies. Memorial Day, to remember those who were lost. We see the memorial that we have in the the body of Christ that we talked about today in order to bring us victory. For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What we're doing here today, if you have not received the, the cup, and you would like one, just lift your hands right now. Our ushers are making their way around right now. If you have not received the cup, anybody on the stage, right up here, anyone else, just raise your hands and we'll get one to you. 
you'll see that there's the bread is on top if you'll peel that tab back. And the second tab is for the juice. Folks, the news is better than we ever imagined. I've been preaching the gospel for 30 years. And in the last two years, it's gotten sweeter than it's ever been. It's gotten more exciting than I ever thought possible. It's better than the best idea I ever had. It's good news. And it's because of what Christ has done. Lord, we thank you for the body, the sacrifice that you made as the innocent Lamb of God. Thank you for, Lord, what you have done. We do this knowing that our freedom was not free. Freedom cost you your life. Thank you for doing what we could never do. Jesus, let us eat. Lord, this good news is our sins are forgiven. Someone told us that. The Holy Spirit affirmed that. Your word declares that. That, Lord, it's not our goodness that brings salvation, but it is your, it's not our goodness that brings salvation, but it is your goodness, Lord God, that brings salvation. Lord, this was your idea, not ours. We want to thank you today for our sins that have been forgiven and the freedom that you have brought to us. Thank you for what this cup represents today. In Jesus' name, let us drink. Now in your own way, can you just thank him? Oh God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord God. Mercy and goodness. Thank you, Father. Oh Lord, we thank you. Mighty is the Lamb, praise to the King. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy, Lord. Blessed be to the living God to the Lamb. Come on and give me my hand clap of praise today. Mighty is the Lord. Mighty is the Lord. that may not be on the overhead today. I just want to thank you for coming today. Thank you for your prayers this last week. As you have probably noticed, uh, we didn't get the parking lot finished. Had some weather delays, concrete delays, saws that were not working. <laughs> 
We're gonna, it's gonna be postponed for, a, for another week. We will have service Wednesday. We will have service Wednesday. So come and let's, let's rejoice together. Also, just to tag into what Andrea said, on our Saturday morning prayer, we're going to be, we, we think, I thank God for the faithfulness of those that have attended and those that continue to come. But we sense in our spirit, as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal, that the role of the church is intercession. Part of intercession is prayer. To give you every available opportunity, we're, we're going to, we're not going to meet at 714, though that's a great scripture to base it upon. I'm looking for a scripture that says 830. Okay? So we're moving our prayer meeting to 830 Saturday morning. Okay? Nine years, we've been 714. 714. We're going to move to 830. <laughs> a new day. A new day. Next Sunday will be water baptism. Um, also, those of you going to Puebla, those of you going to Puebla, deposits are due today. Deposits are due today. So if you need to meet with me after service and let me know where you're at, we need to get the deposits because the airfares are just going to go up and we want to be able to keep it affordable. So if you're going to Puebla, your $300 non-refundable deposit is due today. Okay? Well, Empty Nesters are meeting Saturday, June the 11th at Shenanigans. They're going to be there at 5 o'clock, so Empty Nesters, uh, you can make yourself available for that. It's going to be a great time. I want to ask Pastor Angel to come and dismiss us. This, I'm telling you, we had a great time in Veracruz. God yes, did some yes, great yes. things. And so appreciate this We man. just have time in Veracruz. First, thank you, the pastors, for inviting us to go to Veracruz. Gracias a los pastores que nos invitaron a ir a Veracruz. Uh, we have time only for for ministry, for eat and sleep. Eat, I mean, sorry, ministry, eat and sleep only. But we saw the glory of God. Amen. Solo tuvimos tiempo para ministrar, comer y dormir. Vimos la gloria de Dios. We saw the love of God. And we saw hungry people. Every time that we call to the altar, all of them, more than half of the congregation, to the altar, to the altar, to the altar, crying. We saw people being delivered. We saw hungry people for, for Jesus Christ. Vimos gente hambrienta de Dios. Cada llamado al frente para el altar corriendo con lágrimas llorando hambrientos de Dios we saw all that we saw the love of God and we hope that we start seeing here in crossroads the love of God more than never before hungry for God how many say amen Thank you, Lord, in this hour. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for all the things that you are doing in this congregation. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are dismissed. God
bless everyone.